Hi, welcome into the well 2540 on this Wednesday, July the 8th, which is our, believe it or not, this is our 13th episode of the well 2540 podcast. Um, again, I want to thank you all for joining us uh, weekly for these podcasts. Uh, our prayer continues to be that you get something out of these um, as we do each week while preparing uh, to put these out. I want to talk to you a little bit this week about um, just the current times that we're living in where there seems to be a lot of deceit going on in this world today depending on what news outlet you watch or what media outlet you may read to try to stay current on the news. Um, We're literally to a point today, we don't know what's true and what's not true. What we do know for a fact is that the enemy of our soul is hard at work. And day by day, you can see the results of what he is attempting to do, not only in this nation, this whole world, but particularly this nation. And I am a believer that it is occurring more probably um, to the degree that it is in the United States of America because we are still, uh, to a large part, a Christian nation. And we are the nation that continues to share the gospel around the world. We are the nation that still stands by and supports Israel. And we are the nation that was founded upon Christian principles And regardless of what this world may be showing you or telling you every day, there are still millions of praying Christians in this nation. But none of us should be surprised at what we're seeing occurring in this world. The Word of God tells us that these things are going to come to pass as the day draws nigh. The day of the Lord's return draws nigh. These type things are going to continue to take place and to escalate. And I think I told you last week, and I've said it a few times, um, every morning that we open our eyes, we are one day closer to the return of Jesus. And the closer we get, although we don't know the day nor the hour, no one knows that but the Father. The devil doesn't know that. But Satan realizes that his time is becoming shorter and shorter. And the shorter his time gets, the harder at work he's going to be at. 
And I want to share something with you tonight out of Ephesians that is always very important, but probably more important today than of any other time in mine or your lifetime. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight, and I'm going to do some reading to you from some notes. Um, but I want to talk to you just briefly tonight about the armor of God. And from Ephesians chapter 6, we have all heard the armor of God taught on, preached on. But I want to share with you tonight kind of how it relates to the Roman soldiers and I know as I was going through this it kind of it opened my eyes um, with understanding but I just want to read let's read out of the word of God first in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We'll read those two verses again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. As we go through this armor of God, and as you are very familiar with this passage of Scripture, the Bible tells us that just the breastplate is not enough. The Bible tells us that just the shoes are not enough. Just the helmet is not enough. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil is the deceitfulness, the trickery of the devil. Verse 12 picks up and says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to notice that it doesn't tell us that we're just wrestling against the, the tools of Satan. We're not wrestling just against his plan, but the Bible says that we're wrestling against the principalities. That word principality means the beginning, the creator of all of these tools, of all of the wickedness. We're literally wrestling against that creator of this, against the powers, against the rulers, those in control of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I think you would all agree with me that we are living in an evil day, um, the evil day, and the days that lie ahead and things that are yet to come. 
Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Father, I thank you for this time tonight. God, I ask you that you give us understanding of your word. God, give us the spiritual ears to hear your word tonight. And God, I'm I'm asking you to be with us for these next few moments of this teaching. God, open up our hearts, open up our spirits to receive your word, and God, to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to dig right into the armor of God. And I'm going to do some reading here from some study notes, as I was telling you, dealing with verses 13 through 17. So I want you to think about being that Paul was a Roman citizen. He obviously saw these Roman soldiers every day from being imprisoned. Um, Paul seeing this every day, he chose to use this military armor and the way these Roman soldiers dressed and use that as this metaphor for the armor of God. And when we first started reading in this passage, he first mentions the loin belt. That loin belt, it was called a baltius in the early empire and a cingulum militare in later times. These belts were narrow and they were decorated with bronze plates all the way around those belts. They included five leather straps hanging over the lower half of the front of the body of that Roman soldier. Five leather straps. The fact that this kind of belt represents a belt of truth I want you to think about it in this light. With the five leather straps around the loin, which is the hip area, which is where they believed all of the, and it does, the power comes from. Think about the five leather straps being made onto this loin belt. And think about that in conjunction with the five-fold ministry gifts. Of the fivefold minister gifts, you have the apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and they present God's truth to the church. A soldier would use this loin belt to attach his sword and a smaller shield to him. There were two shields, one of them being a much smaller shield, but he would use this belt to attach his sword and this small shield to him. 
this belt also held other parts of the armor in place and it was used to tie up the garments called girding up the loins. And that was done so the soldier wouldn't trip on anything when he was going into battle. The soldiers would also display awards and medals for their um, battle victories on these belts. This first piece of equipment, Truth, the loin belt, it holds all things together. And let's talk a little bit about the breastplate. The breastplate in the Greek is called a thorax, which literally means a heart protector, a protector of your heart. See, this breastplate was made from, from strips of metal and they all connected together, but they were made to where they were flexible that allowed that soldier to, to move about, to have mobility while he was in battle. You didn't want to, to tie the soldier up or him being in any type of rigid posture. He had to be able to move freely. This breastplate was designed to protect all of the vital organs of the soldier's body. The purpose of the metal was to basically deflect the blows from the enemy swords or any other weapons they may be using, protecting especially the Roman soldier's heart. Hear, hear me with, your, with, with a spiritual ear. It was especially protecting the heart area of the Roman soldier. Righteousness is being right or just in God's eyes and doing things God's way. Righteousness is imparted to the heart and to the spirit and that righteousness must be protected from the lies and the deception of Satan. This Roman soldier's breastplate, it was made up of small metal plates that were all tied together. And think about um, tiles that go on a roof. They were all tied together like you would lay roof tiles on the top of a building or a home. It was placed over the shoulders to protect both the shoulders or the soldier's front side and his backside. The bottom of this breastplate was tied to that belt we were talking about. I want you to notice that the righteousness must be tied to truth because there is no righteousness unless we receive the word of God, which being that is the word of truth. Depending on what you know, what you're studying and the commentaries you're studying, a lot of a lot of people say that the back of these Roman soldiers were the only areas that were not protected. Um, I don't agree with that. The there there are some commentaries, and it makes perfect sense to me that some of them say that there were these thin metal sheets that were also tied together, and they're tied together with leather straps that formed like a, a 
basically if you're looking at a, a rib cage, it formed a, a, a rib formation around the back of that Roman soldier, around his rib cage to protect him. These, these strips, the metal strips, that's what gave that soldier that free movement we was talking about earlier, that mobility to where when he was in a battle, he was not bound uh, to that stiff posture. He was able to move about uh, freely as we were talking about. And you think about that in light of being righteous doesn't mean to be rigid or self-righteous or being tied to any type of legalism. It does mean to abide in the love of God and to keep our hearts pure through that righteousness from God. Let's touch on the shoes. Uh, the shoes, if you remember in the passage of Scripture where it's talking about to stand. It's where the shoes come in and they're very important in this armor of God. And if you can picture these shoes, they were, they were actually sandals that were made of leather and they had straps that wrapped around the calves, uh, the back of that soldier's legs, that wrapped around the calves all the way up to that soldier's knees. The openness of those straps, the way they were designed, and the soft leather that was used for that shoe um, study notes say that it enabled these soldiers to be able to walk up to 25 miles a day without developing blisters or to some degrees even different types of, 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 of foot fungi. As I was studying this, it says a strip of metal was built into each shoe that provided more stability. So underneath both of the shoes were these metal studs of two sizes. Think about cleats that ball players wear. The, um, under both shoes, you had these metal studs and there were two different sizes of studs. These provided traction for walking, running, and standing for those long hours while they were fighting in battle. So these spikes were very good um, when the soldier was standing on a hill or when he's trying to walk if the ground was slippery because these spikes would dig into the, uh, dig into the ground and they assisted that soldier in his ability to move or to stand. Part of the armor also included metal greaves that covered the ankles and the knees so it protected the shins and the, and the kneecaps of these soldiers back to the scripture and it says that you know basically the believers we as believers are to be prepared to take the gospel of peace to all people under all circumstances and not be knocked off our feet by the opposition that we may encounter I want to stop there just a second and I want to go back to the point of the Bible telling us to take on the whole armor of God See, we could have the breastplate on, protecting our heart, doing everything that we could to protect our heart, that truth, the loin belt. We could have that. 
But the moment that we step out in this spiritual battle with the enemy, not knowing what we're going to face or the different wiles that he would bring toward us, it would be very easy for him to hit us with a blow that would knock us off of our feet, spiritually speaking. So that's why the Paul is, is referencing the, the shoes as being a vital piece of this armor of God. And then Paul says, above all, to take the shield of faith. This means over everything else, we are to take that shield of faith. I told you earlier there, were, there was a smaller type shield that tied on to the belt. Um, and being that there were, there were two types of the Roman shield. One was that smaller round one, if you think about it, about the, you know, if you order, uh, the only example I can think of is a pizza. Probably a large size pizza. Think of that smaller shield being that size. And it was basically used as decor, just for display, for looks only. The larger shield uh, found this very interesting. The larger shield was what was used for the one-on-one -on -one conflict while that soldier was in battle. The shield of faith. The Greek word for shield is theron. And it refers to a large shield fashioned in the oblong shape of a door. And the study notes that I was reading says that it's about four and a half feet high the, the, the shield, four and a half feet high, long, with a curved shape to it. These individual shields could be joined side to side as these sh uh, soldiers stood shoulder to shoulder, forming a protective wall, per se, while they were in battle. The shields were also used to cover the heads of the shoulders, forming a covering like a uh, say the shell of a, a, of a turtle, a turtle shell. If the enemy soldiers uh, were to drop large rocks from the city walls where a lot of these battles took place, just as soldiers joined together in battle, we as believers must not fight alone, but instead join our faith with others. The more shields in battle, the more faith is released to bring victory. I want to say that again as I underline that statement. The more shields in the battle, the more faith there is released to bring victory. This large Roman shield was built with, with two layers of wooden strips. They're very similar to, to plywood of today and they were laid at right angles to each other, and then they were heated up so that they could be pressed into a, a curved shape. So think about taking a piece of plywood and heat it up and being able to mold that into this curved shape. And after being formed, the shield was covered with six layers of animal hide. I want you to get this, pay real close attention to this. That soldier had to maintain his shield. 
Let this sink in for a second. That soldier had to maintain his shield. And we're talking about our shield of faith. And that soldier had to maintain his shield by caring for that animal skin, that leather covering. Without maintaining it and taking care of it, that skin would become dry. And the danger of a dry shield was that that covering would become so brittle and vulnerable to fire. To prevent the dry shields, these soldiers carried olive oil with which to rub the surface down of these shields. You know what oil represents? The, the Spirit of God. They would rub down the surface of the shields with this olive oil. And think about the prophet Isaiah instructed men to anoint the shield. This is in Isaiah 21 and 5, or to prepare it for battle. The oil represents the Holy Spirit as oil was used to anoint spiritual leaders during biblical times. And after the anointing, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. You can see in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. Our faith must be anointed or energized by the Spirit of God to effectively put out or to quench those fiery arrows, those darts of the devil. Then the next thing we come to in the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. The Roman soldier's helmet, it was made from a, a copper iron material. And this helmet carried the army's insignia or the army symbol. And it was used to protect obviously the soldier's head. The top of the helmet was a bowl shape and it protected obviously the top of the head from any blows that would come from the enemy. The helmet also had a, a neck guard in the back and a brow guard that, that stuck out to protect the soldier from, a, from any downward blow in the front. Two metal pieces that again were flexible, you could, they were movable, connected the helmet, it connected to the helmet, protecting both cheeks against blows to the face. This helmet protected the head and the face from all directions, front and back. So when we talk about salvation or being saved, we know that salvation begins with repentance, which means to turn or to, to change our way of thinking and to, and to turn from 180 to 80 degrees. Our minds must be guarded from these mental blows and these fiery darts of the enemy. So when those negative or those sinful thoughts, when they do come and they reach your mind, then they can be pulled down and removed by taking control of our thoughts. And how do we do that? by using the Word of God. Because you've got to stop that fiery dart where we get in trouble 
is we don't use the word of God against that fiery dart, that arrow. When it enters our mind, we don't use the word of God against it. And that's what allows it to get done in our heart. And once that occurs, that's when sin can take hold. The Bible says in verse 17 that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So there are four different types of swords used in the Roman times. In Ephesians 6 verse 17, I think, is verse 17, the word sword is makara. And it's a 19-inch long, two-edged, offensive weapon that was made of iron with a sharp tip for stabbing. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Some knives and some swords, they had only one sharp side, but this sword had, had two sharp sides, thus it being a two-edged sword. The Greek word for two-edged in Hebrews 4 and 12 was distomos, and it means two-mouthed, M-O-U-T-H-E-D, two-mouthed. This particular commentary suggests that the one blade, being a two-edged sword, the one blade represented God speaking, or represents God speaking, and the second blade is the power of God's word when we speak it. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, the words from Christ's mouth are described as a sharp, a sharp two-edged sword. Two Greek words are used for word in this phrase. The word of God in the New Testament. One is logos and the other is rima. Logos can refer to a saying or a topic or a divine expression. The word rima means an individual, collective, and specific utterance. The main difference between the two is that rima is a word or a scripture that the Holy Spirit quickens to your spirit. And with that comes along the faith to believe it. Paul in Ephesians 6 and 17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Greek word for word here is rima. In Ephesians 6 and 17, rima, meaning that when God quickens to our spirits specific words and promises, then that word becomes a sword, an offensive and defensive weapon that we can use in battle against the words, the devices, and the plans of the enemy. That Rima word is also a specific word for any specific situation or for a specific time that you're going through. Paul wrote, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's in Romans 10 and 17. The Greek word for word in this passage is rima. So what it's actually saying is that faith comes by hearing a rima from God's word. 
So with that, our faith comes alive. When the Holy Spirit quickens to our spirit those truths that we hear. The sword of the Spirit is the Spirit-quickened Word. When a believer puts on the whole armor of God, they're ready for any form of attack that the adversary may bring. As I said in the beginning of this podcast, that the days and times that we're living in today, if we ever needed a rhema word of God, it's today. And guys, I'm telling you, God still speaks those rhema words. For whatever situation you're going through, for whatever season of your life that you may be going through battles, God still speaks rhema words. The question becomes, are we positioned to where we can hear it and receive it? And if we are, and when we receive that rhema word from God, are we dressed in the attire of the whole armor of God? Do we have that belt around our loins of truth? Are we protecting and guarding our heart with that breastplate of righteousness? Do we have on that helmet of salvation? Are our feet properly shod with the shoes? And are you equipped with that sword of the Spirit? Because the Word of God still works. You can go out in any any battle that you may have with the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul. We can argue with him and demand him with everything within our carnal self. And I can promise you, as sure as I'm sitting here, he's not going to budge. What does move the enemy, what does remove him from your situation is by you using the word of God protecting everything about your spiritual being and using this word of God as your tool for battle. So as you walk out of your home today, tomorrow, next week, next month, none of us know what will be occurring 30 days from now out in this world with the craziness that's going on. What we do know will still be a world out there full of lies and deceitfulness. And we will still be battling the principalities and the rulers of the darkness. And in knowing that, we also must know We've got to be prepared for battle. Stay prayed up. 
walk in the spirit and be positioned to where you can get that rhema word from God. Be in position to where you can discern those spirits that are out there today. I've said on these podcasts before, and I'll probably say on every one of them moving forward, ever how many episodes we do. It's going to take a relationship with God. It always has. But especially and particularly in these times and seasons that we're living in right now. There there are so many lies going on out there now. There are so many political agendas going on out there now. On top of, yes, the devil's a part of all of that. That's the works of the enemy. But on top of what he is hard at work doing anyway in deceiving, trying to deceive God's people. So my prayer for you today is that we stay prayed up. We stay in that close walk with God and that we are prepared, remain prepared for this spiritual battle that we're going to face and that we are facing every day. If you could see in the spiritual realm right now that spiritual battle going on over your life and over all of your loved ones, it's real. Do we have that armor of God? Have we taken on the whole armor of God? And are we equipped with his word and the power of his word to fight these battles? Father, I thank you for this time that I've had, again, with the listeners of this podcast. Father, I pray that you continue to draw us close to you. Father, I pray that we are dedicating more time of our day, of our lives, in your word, in our prayer closet, spending that quality time with you. And God, right now, I want to take a moment just to pray for this nation. And God, I pray for the leaders of this nation. And God, I'm not praying for any Republican. I'm not praying for any Democrat. I'm not praying for any socialist or any independent. I'm praying for the leadership of this country, that God, you get a hold of them. And God, regardless of what side of the aisle they're sitting on, God, I'm asking you to arrest their spirit and God, that you shake them. God, we don't know what the future holds. But as we all know, we know who holds the future. And God, that's why we put our total trust in you. That God, in these last days, ever how long this plays out, that God, you are in total and full control. And that God, regardless of the battles that we encounter, that our mission remains, that we win as many souls to your kingdom as we can. And God, we need you in order to accomplish that. God, we need you.
to be able to stand, that when we've done all, that we stand. God, I'll give you the praise and I'll give you the glory for it. God, I ask you to put a hedge of protection, again, around these listeners. Father, I'm asking you to to protect their families. And God, any of us with lost loved ones in our family that are not in that relationship with you, God, I pray for lost souls within our own families right now. And that, God, you bring each one that we're praying for into your kingdom. We give you the praise and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.